Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are recording uh, another feedlot research call. Uh, so let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a good time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, uh, today we, I think we are going to cover, we've been covering the past two months, uh, uh, research related to to beef on dairy crosses, right? And and actually, we have reviewed two review papers, uh, and now we are going to review another review paper. So, who is the author of this uh, research call that we are going to talk about, and what what they are talking about? So this this paper we're talking about today is an invited review titled "Beef on Dairy: The Generation of Crossbred Beef by uh, Beef on Dairy Cattle." This is um, written by uh, D.P. Berry, uh, and this was published in the Journal of Dairy Science uh, in 2020. Great, great. So, uh, so what is? Uh, can you just talk a little bit, like what? Uh, one thing I mentioned that we have reviewed two review papers. We actually reviewed one review paper, and another was a survey that we had Jessica here last month. But and now we are reviewing another review paper. So. But going back to the one from this month, what uh, Dr. Barry was was talking about during this review, and what is his perspectives? And it's it's a very very long review. It's over uh, thirty pages total, twenty five pages of of content, and and I know we won't have time to to go through every single point. You just you broke down in fourteen sub topics in our uh, research brief in our newsletter. So that's a lot of information. So again, as you always do, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go and read the whole publication if they have the interest in that. But what are the main take-home messages that you took from this uh, extensive review, I would say? So uh, the first thing I noticed, and this was a similar statement made in the other review paper we looked at, and that is the dairy on beef studies uh, are dated and do not represent the herds we see today. Um, so this is a similar sentiment we've heard, I think, throughout papers uh, and discussions with other people. So I thought that was really interesting that all of them start very similarly. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, it's I think the authors have recognized that the data exists. They're just not updated. They uh over three decades ago and and which is is hard to to extrapolate the, their results to to the current systems but that's that's a great point so what else uh does he talk about so this uh review talks about a lot of the global use of beef on dairy not just uh the other review we read had a lot about the u.s system and how uh, we're using beef here in the u.s this dove a lot more into the international use of beef on dairy. Um, and one thing I thought was really interesting was how much dairy contributes to each uh, each country. So, for instance, in New Zealand, it's 65 percent, Russia, 87 percent. And in the U.S., we're only at 20 to 22 percent. So a lot of countries are using dairy in their beef system a lot more. Yeah, that's a great point. So that's how much the dairy system contributes to to the beef production, right? And it's it's yeah, it's impressive. You look at Russia, like it's almost ninety percent. Like mm-hmm. uh, New Zealand, over sixty five percent. So it's it's 
it's it's a good uh, representation of their beef market. Uh, that's nice. Uh, and and here in the U.S., even though it's like twenty to twenty two percent, it's still uh, a good good portion of of the market coming from from the dairy herd. So uh, what else? Uh, so one thing I found particularly interesting was uh, when he reviewed the different systems that countries are using to grow these beef on dairy or even their dairy animals. So the whole steam steers, how are they growing them? And in Ireland, it looks like they have two maiden systems where they're slaughtering at 21 or 23 months of age, but they're doing it on an extensive grazing system, which is very different than what we see here, where we have a very intensive feedlot system for our Holsteins. Yeah, that's that's also a great point. The difference between the systems, I think, uh, in our the first review that we covered, the authors also mentioned that, and uh, and it's great to point out that the the systems are uh, vastly different, and and what they usually uh, do on their systems is a lot different than what we actually recommend doing here. We don't recommend putting those hosting steers out on pastures just because. Uh, they, they're going to lose efficiency and, and become bigger and not efficient when you come bring them to the feedlot. We it's a lot different than our cat fed hosting system for sure. And are the authors talking anything else about these? Uh, or like they have seen better uh use when like when you put the beef semen to those dairy cows, how does the the beef on dairy crosses perform on those uh let's say, pasture-based system? So they were looking um, in using the beef on dairy system, they kind of saw that that, uh, producers were able to take advantage of the younger age um, at at slaughter um, and the lower cost using the grazing system. So um, Mm. you're you're not putting in so much feed, so you're not, you know, and so those beef on dairy are converting that forage a little different than the the pure dairy. Um, And they're also seeing a heavier and more conformed carcass with the beef on dairy animals, especially when they're throwing them out on pasture. So, but like many other uh, papers, they point out that differences in early rearing for the animals, for the dairy and the beef, and then the dairy on beef uh, animals, is leading to quite a bit of a difference down the road when we're finishing the animals and slaughtering them. That's 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 an inter- interesting point. So the early uh, the early management of the calves it's it's probably affecting later on, and there is a chance that the pro- the dairy producers see greater value on the beef on dairy cross, and they take uh, they are more careful with this uh, beef on dairy cross, right? Right, exactly, and. Compared to the the beef calves who have a very different system from birth to weaning and then from weaning to finish. So all of those differences, along with the genetic differences that they're seeing within and throughout the breeds, um, is really kind of giving a wide variety of outcomes as far as performance, because you have, um, you know, that you have different performance just based on breed and then you have different performance based on management as well that's great so brooke what what else i know like at the end of the your summary you put uh, a graph to to illustrate the main goals 
But before, let's say we talk a little bit about this, is there uh, major points that we haven't covered that you would like to mention? So one thing I thought was particularly interesting was kind of looking at genetics going forward and how we're selecting these uh, sires for the beef on dairy animals. And one thing that was mentioned was that we just don't have information about the sires being used. Um, and so he mentioned that 75% of calves with a dairy sire had the sire recorded, but only 52% of the dairy on beef crossbreds had the sire reported. So we just don't know a lot about the background of some of the animals that we're growing. Yeah, and that's something that anecdotally we, we've observed that, that here uh, in the U.S. as well. Sometimes uh, we are using beef semen that we don't know, we don't keep track of that. Uh, and then one of the reasons for that is because that animal is not going to stay in the herd. So mm -hmm. there is not a lot of interest on keeping track of which, which bull is being used on that cow, uh, as long as the beef bull. And, and just because I mentioned the thing about keeping the herd, I'm, I, I will point out one thing that they don't talk a lot in the, in the review. And that's something that we haven't seen the reviews that we are uh, reading, and that's because there is no data on that. Is that the the uh, the author they he he doesn't mention anything related to the performance of the female on the finishing period. He does mention a little bit about the potential use of this uh, heifer on the beef herd, which I don't know if I 100% agree with him especially for the U.S. system, maybe for the European system, it's, it's a good fit. But I don't, I don't see that as a potential use here in the U.S. So using the beef on dairy uh, female to produce beef caps, I don't, I don't see that. I think that's a terminal cross, and we should be finishing those uh, heifers. But again, and that's my opinion based on zero data. <laughs> because we don't we don't have uh, published peer review data on that as well, but yeah. So any anything else that that we should talk about? I just mentioned that you you point out some strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Uh, do you want to talk about anything else just before we go pretty quick on that uh, that graph? So one last thing I had highlighted here was um, still kind of in the realm of genetics because that was a lot of what. That was talked about in this review. Um, and it was just looking at the global breeding goals, specifically in dairies. And when um, 13 of those goals include some emphasis on body size or weight, but very few had an emphasis on performance of the offspring in order to produce beef. Um, so not on the dairy side, but the beef side for those dairy animals and dairy crossbred animals. So I thought that was interesting that um, our goals still are not for producing beef. They're still for producing dairy and then getting beef out of the extra. Yes, uh, that's a great point. So again, uh, not only here in the U.S., but all over the world, the, and that's, that's, that's what should be. The goal of a dairy producer is to produce milk, is <laughs> not to produce beef. The, these animals is sometimes called the byproducts of the dairy industry. So. Again, as a dairy producer, they're right. They should focus on that. But if we are going to keep using beef on dairy, we also should be thinking about 
uh, properly choosing the bulls that we are going to cross with that uh, dairy cow. Uh, that's something that if if we continue to see uh, this increase, probably is going to come to play in this in this market soon. Uh, great. So uh, anything else? Nope. Okay. So just uh, just before uh, we finish, uh, can you just uh, point out some? maybe three points in each of those categories that you broke down at the end, some strengths, uh, weakness, opportunities, and threats that the, that the author uh, mentioned that. So I think one of the things as far as strengths or two things that were really important in the strengths, and one is the, uh, the ease in advancing genetics and in, in being able to select sires that improve certain qualities pretty easily through AI um, with those dairy heifers and cows. Um, and then the second one is uh, just improving revenue for the dairy farmers themselves, either mm-hmm. through increased um, price of those calves, um, so being able to sell them for more, um, but also lower capital investment as far as uh, keeping a beef cow around to produce uh, a calf to produce beef. Uh, instead, we're getting dairy and beef out of one cow. So we're kind of cutting down um, the amount of cost in that. Um, and it also kind of cushions against volatility in milk price because you are improving the uh, how much they're getting paid for those calves. Okay, no, that's great. That's good. I'm glad that you kind of cover uh, the whole the whole uh, scenario that you put that in the end. That's great. So uh, yeah, that's great. Again, we we don't want like and we don't have enough time. We we usually uh, try to make this short and and useful of your time uh, mm-hmm. to to our listeners. So we we again we encourage the listeners to go and read the whole review. I think it's important. Uh, we are here uh, just to get your interest in on on those research topics uh, and try to inform a little bit. But we always encourage our listeners to go and read the whole. Uh, the whole research paper. So anything else, Brooke? No, I think we covered a lot of the the main stuff, but again, it's a very long review, a lot of information. So good stuff to learn. Yes. And and uh, for those of you who are listening and want to read uh, Brooke's summary and uh, just subscribe to our monthly newsletter uh, that's in the description of this episode, put your email there and every month you, you receive, you can also find the link to go and have access to that uh, as as needed. And uh, if you want to get uh, this research paper, we can send that to you uh, via email. Just send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com with the the title of this uh, episode and and a research uh, request. Please say that. And then we're going to send you this uh, research publication. And then you can go in depth and read that. So thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, We appreciate your time. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call.